Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. So no Tyler today. Tyler's gone. We sold him down the river. Maybe someday we'll have a, a grand slam party and all four of us would be on the mic. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But we do have uh, myself, Charlie, and Serha. Hello. Um, today's topic, a little bit of uh, maybe a little departure from automation, although because of what we do, it, it kind of overlaps. But I uh, want to chat a little bit about how you buy, what you buy, where you buy is the uh, all sorts of question answer dialogue there um and this spurred a little bit from a stop at a bike rack shop so uh all three of us ride bicycles uh you can go online and you can order bike racks from just about anywhere uh you can go to a general purpose sporting goods store and they can get you set up mostly sometimes pretty good uh but after stopping at the uh, the Thule store in Denver, what I'll say is they were experts, right? Like, well, yeah, it's focus. It's focus, and, and I I appreciate like, focus. Does, yeah, like why does McDonald's have the best Coca Cola? It's got to be you know the, the reason. I don't know. It's, it's because McDonald's read the specifications read made by Coca Cola, and they said. You should use stainless steel tanks in all stainless steel gear. Interesting. And everybody else uses, I think they're nylon based tanks. Okay. Or they come, or the syrup comes in bags. Like when I worked at Burger King when I was a kid, that came in bags. I think syrup they, came in the bag in a box. That's how and McDonald's so, gets them too. It's bags in box. Yeah, but there's a component they get that McDonald's does differently. And I don't even drink soda, so you know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm way out of my depth here. But I've been told and I've heard about it, talked about it many times. So by having focus on the the te- what your taste buds do to your brain, like McDonald's has focus. Like, sure. don't kid yourself; they have focus, right? So Thule has focus. Like you're coming into a Thule store. Remember when Apple revolutionized? How to, I mean, talk about how to buy things. Apple revolutionized the retail environment. Yeah. I still appreciate I mean, the hell out of going into the Apple store and chatting with the guy that knows what's going on. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Who doesn't? Well, and, and, and I that guess... feeds into your topic. Like, we all know what's going on. So, weird. Our customers enjoy talking to us. Thank you, customers. We enjoy talking to you, too. Totally. Um it's a relationship, right? It only works if it's uh, a two-way street. And, um, you know, scope of work is important. Understanding the problem is probably the hardest thing to do. And then once you understand the problem, it's a lot easier to find the solution. So the, the question that I start to think about is like what we've highlighted so far are things that have some intelligence, some specialness, some details, things where focus matters, right? Um, yeah, yeah, more than just, you know, what goes into a can of soda. Sure. But but, but you can make that important to focus, too, is my point. Super valid. So I guess where, you know, thinking about automation, 
where do you draw the line from what I would say is something focusable versus something that is commodity? Well, I mean, you can start with the topic that I spend, you know, the most of my professional automation related time on, which is motor control. And you and for can, those of you, you following along, that's big giant metal boxes with contactors and drives in them. Yeah, but if and that's commodity, right? Like a contactor is a commoditized item. It's so commoditized there's actually a standard based in IEC land that says, okay, you know, thirty two amps is gonna be forty five millimeters wide. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it's gonna work. And ab- above thirty eight amps, you're gonna go you know, 40 and above, you're going to go to 55 millimeters wide. And that's really convenient, right? But that also means it's commoditized because you can, arguably, you can swap out. But then you go up the next level of sophistication. You go to a variable frequency drive. There's more. There's all types of iterations of that. There's bells and whistles to, you know, full-on safe torque off. And then you've got soft starters. And then you're like, well, what else is there? Do you know what else there is? Are you aware? Are you even aware of what the new cutting-edge stuff is? And that's where job, you know, jobs like us, you know, that's what our jobs are is to inform you like, oh, are you aware? Of, are you aware of silicone carbide technology? Huh? Right. Right. And how is that being used and applied in motor control? Right. And there, I know of two applications uh, from Warner with the C14 and then from Smart D out of Canada. They're doing silicone carbide based drives and that eliminates the IGBT, and so that's like, okay, what kind of motor control do you want? And we have that you know? in our new servo platform, by the way, too. Space of course savings, you do. Uh, cost savings, Correct. more efficient, Correct. all of the magic. Yeah, it, it sounds revolutionary. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's derived. You know, it's it's the coolest thing in our industry that's being affected by the electric car game, right? Because silicon carbide is going to be the the next iteration of the drives that are moving these cars around, if they're not already here, I can't remember who's running silicon carbide. If it's Lucid or if it's Rivian. But anyway, I think it's Lucid. I'll look it up right now. Which car is using silicon carbide? Sarah, do you have any experiences where you uh, enjoyed uh, being serviced by a focused salesperson such as yourself? It sounds like a very personal question. No, (laughs) I would say that to your point, that level of service, the commodity is to your point, I can do research online, iPhone, for example, and buy one. The level of service, though, is bringing it to a human to be like, okay, how do I swap my SIM card or setting up an electronic SIM card, right? Doing something I'm not familiar with. But it's, I think I, the integration is where I pr- prefer the, the details. How do I integrate it? How am I integrating my solution? That's where I like, I want to talk to someone versus the individual components. Yeah, you can research. There's enough information online now, videos, et cetera, on specs and techs. Um, but you could look at it from a motor control perspective. As you say, I can buy a contactor, pick one online, have it shipped and received to me, probably install and wire. Now, if I'm trying to coordinate group motor applications where I need to turn on and off or do staggered start of motor control, now maybe I want to talk to a person on that solution or system level versus just an independent 
contact or for an independent application. Good point. So I I don't know. I mean, and, and I guess the other challenge I run into as a vendor is when somebody's done a bunch of research before you get to talking to them and the research they've found is either wrong or inaccurate, right? And so now instead of talking about why things are awesome, you have to spend half of your meeting debunking the things that they thought they understood. That's, yeah, that's that's that's, that's on you. You didn't, habit, pro- right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I mean, you're telling me it doesn't happen to I, you? Come on now. Uh, I don't it, like. I don't really know. It doesn't. Like, Come it's on not now. A, honestly, like it's it's not that big of a deal. It's motor control. Like I think in servos, it's even cra- it's it's much more sophisticated. Sure. I mean. I I often run into applications where I have more options than they even care about, and I offer more sophistication than their application requires. You know, that's a, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, you make a strong point that nobody cares about the. You know, I don't say nobody cares, but I would argue that of all the VFDs I've sold in my career, maybe half of a percent are actually being. 40% utilized in terms of their capability. Sure. All day. You know? All day. Right? They're not taking in, you know, like the the Yaskawa GA800 can take in off the shelf without any special things. And I'm sure the Rockwell Drive equivalent can do the same. You can take in four analog signals. Yeah. Four. No, excuse me. Three analog signals and and uh, Ethernet uh, or a serial connection. And then you can add Ethernet for 200 bucks. Like, holy cow. Like that's so much information and I have plenty of customers or great customers and they know their application. Like, yeah, we just send it a single zero to 10 and it's done, you know, and it's fine. Right. Correct. Like these drives are so overly uh, capable, you know, and the, the thing that I find fascinating is drive manufacturers make a really killer industrial high sophisticated drive. That drive has the highest short circuit, circ, short circuit current potential, right? So, like the G eight hundred can do sixty five kic. But if you want a low sophisticated drive, like an Eaton DE one, which is just simple analog signal, doesn't even have a display. It's optional, right? And it tops out at ten horsepower. But you can't get high short circuit current rating with it. You can't get sixty five kic with it. Oh. So it's like. You know what I mean? So it's like, what priority is important? You know, um, every G800 has safe torque off. I believe it has two safe torque off uh, points of I.O. I I think maybe one of them that I've sold in my career has been utilized. Like one, one, one BFD. I mean, so like all these options. Yeah, it's just, and short circuit current rating right behind sizing the motor control and specifying the type of motor control short circuit current rating is the next highest priority it is all day all day and that's because of insurance agents and and consultants and all these outside Mm -hmm. influences and the the motor control manufacturers don't seem to in my opinion they don't seem to be focused on this because i think we as a species want to sell the newest, latest, and greatest with all the whiz bang, right? But there's a lot of money to be made. And like, hey, uh, we're going to make a 65 KAC VFD 
that has one analog in, has an Ethernet port, and is safe torque off if you want it, and it's awesome. And you know, you could say, "Oh, that's the Eaton DG one." If the Eaton, Eaton, my Eaton friends are, are listening, I'm like, "Yeah, okay," but it it doesn't go all the way up to 500 horse. And guess what? The 500 horse application is still getting the same low level of interaction that the you know that the the 25 horsepower is. So it's like, yeah. But the that's question I struggle with for you is like. Does that jump off the page if I'm doing research on my own? Because when I just, like, back to the bike rack thing. If you care about total cost of ownership, which I think is the most critical thing that nobody thinks about, to your point, even with your bike rack idea, like, how much time does it take me to get this rack on and off my car if it is a seasonal thing? Right. Right. That's a huge deal. how How much space does it take up in my garage? Does my wife have to be a power lifter to move it around? You know, these are things that don't get talked about enough. And so it's like, I don't know how, you know, I don't, we've talked about rack attack and I'm sure Thule and Yakima and all the, all the good ones have these AR driven, maybe they have a full AR app where you can take a photo of your car and put a rack and a box on it and see if it all fit. But like, but you guys have AR, it's a big red. So there's the, yeah. The the T2, these are so I'm on the rack attack page. It's all Thule, it's all two inch hitch mount, and it's yep. all uh so platforms, right? So every, yep. every all things considered that would fit on the back of my truck or on the back yep. of your car. And so I have yep. a T2 Pro XTR, I have a yep. easy fold XT platform, then I have a T2 Pro X2 bike, then I have a helium platform xt then i have a double track pro xt then i have a t2 pro x add-on and then i have a yeah, you've already lost like, all of us yeah but, yeah, but that's like my point like there's nine options here i can't like Correct. just looking at them i don't know so, i know they're... but is there a selector tool that says I'll hey do you have compare. do you have three e-bikes and are you over the age of 15 like i mean is there some type of selection criteria because so if I you have three e-bikes bike, and I can, yeah and, bike capacity, yeah bike type yeah, bike capacity, tilt. bike weight, whatever. Um, yeah. But like when I was at the store, the dude's like, hey, you ride a fat bike. I'm like, yeah, I got a fat bike. He goes, well, then you're going to want to be in this class because it can do, you know, tires up to four inches wide. And I'm like, cash money, that's what I need. That yeah. That's not in my filter. It's not in a selector. So now I have to drill into each one of these bastards and figure, like, I just want to talk yeah. to a knowledgeable human being that has focus that can ensure my success, right? That That's the yeah, end of the but, day. Yeah, but I mean... But so, so the manufacturer is constantly having to train these people up to do this, right? Yeah. And then, and then they built, then they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars making AR applications on their website, so you can see what it looks like and how it filters into your vehicle based on your needs, right? Sure. Yeah. And we do that with, we do that with motor control. We do that with short circuit current rating tools, you know. But if to Sarah's point, if you don't know how to apply short circuit current rating in a group motor application. Mm-hmm. You know, you definitely need to talk to somebody that knows what the heck they're doing. Right. Yeah. I. And then, I mean, and then, but then you go up in sophistication in terms of motor control. You go to servo motor control. Ooh. I mean, that's a whole other specialty. Well, amen to that. And I've had this debate with people before where they're like, oh, so with your servo platform, I see you can't do this, this, and this. And I'm like, 
It's not exactly true. I'm not sure where you read that or found that. Well, but... and that's that's why that's why you have those experiences and I don't. Sure. Or to your point, like, Justin, they found the information. They just don't know how to interpret it or how to use it. Super valid. And I yeah. think part of it is that the more information we give people, the more they feel informed. And what is it? With knowledge comes power. Right. I have a confidence. Joe said, I right. Do you like it? Do yeah. you like it? Yeah. But it's the idea yeah. that, oh, well, I know all your specifications because I've spent time in your website and I've done all the filtering. Therefore, I know I've selected the right product because I, I did it myself and I'm knowledgeable and I read. So are customers misinformed when they talk to you or are they overinformed in one area and underinformed in another or are they limited by the tool that they were using to get the information? To get the information. Time. To your point yeah. with the, the Thule example, you were filtering by, okay, what's my hitch? What's my vehicle? What's the number of bikes I have? And then because there wasn't an option for your fat tire or tire width, you probably just forgot about that part of it because in your head you're like, I checked every other box. Here's my answer. When you talk to the human being, they're the ones that ask all the questions. The online tools can't. Right. Yeah, right? exactly. And like, exactly. So like th there's a utility I use a lot um, from Wana, which is configurator.wana.com. And then within there, you can design a bus bar system, mm -hmm. but the bus bar system limits out at 1200 millimeters when oh. the sticks of bus bar are available at 2.4 meters or 2,400 millimeters. So they, I went to design a system the other day for somebody and it was 3,600 millimeters and I couldn't get it to, String the spans of four enclosures, and I'm like, yeah, you know. And it's like, again, it's it's all the limitations of the utility. So that to your point, Justin, like somebody could come to me and like, hey man, I heard about that app, and I went in and I did it, and then, you know, they don't know about this limitation. Like, I want to make this wider. Why can't I make this wider? I'm like, well, they, you know, that's what I'm here for. So yeah, and there's ways to get around it, but it's it's not in that utility to the point. Well, and the other question I've got that kind of bubbles into this is like. I think about clothing, right? So uh, I have legs like tree trunks, and they don't fit in like 80% of the pants that fit my waist. Um, totally. I appreciate being able to do, like, trying things on. I like, like, I would struggle to buy a TV online without having a store where I can go and sit and, like, actually touch it and look at it. It's just maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm old school. But there's some of that level of, like, I really want to know what I've got and what I'm touching and, and what it looked like. And I think that translates into our day jobs too, right? Like, Hey, think about contactors and the bus bar and the jumpers and all the magic, right? All the clickety clackety stuff. It's nice to have somebody with that in front of you that you can be like, Hey, here's what I got cooking. Right? Like to, to be able to do the work. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Well, I mean, and then you look at our friends over at Tesla, right? They got they got a bunch of uh, crap early on, and they probably still do because they want you to buy a car on the internet. Yeah, which is I mean, super weird. And then they added brick brick and mortar. I I mean, why not, man? I don't want you know how terrible that experience is at a dealership. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yes. so. Yes. I mean, the fact that you're one of your strongest negotiating tactics at a dealership is to leave and then only to come back, like. It's right. so archaic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, this is our best. I'm like, sure. Sure it is, buddy. Sure it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. 
So that's weird. No, but to your point, Justin, think about what time of year it is. Trade show season again, right? Yeah. Animation Fair 2023, SBS 2023. There is a still a good part of our population that likes to see right products being demonstrated live versus videos. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think we would continue for trade shows. People travel, pay money to come and see live in person. Like going to if Maine. If, mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't even start. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I get to go to uh, uh, Invertex facility in the UK before SPS this year, and they just opened this new like customer experience training center, and it looks amazing. Cool. And I'm excited because, I mean, to your point, Sarah, like uh, here's what a VFD can do. And look at all these different applications. And here's all the information that's actually running through it, which is, that's the thing that chaps me the most is like, there's so much data in these motor controllers that people are not utilizing. And okay, maybe they don't need it, but I think they'd make better decisions if they were informed. I mean, I could go off on that for days, <laughs> as you know, but um, like that's, that's what's so strange, I think, is, you know, not only do you need help in, uh, I think that you already said this about the integration piece, like you, you, you select the component, but then to utilize it to its potential, you know, that's a whole other set of YouTube videos yeah. at the very least. Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, that was kind of the the, the premise of some of the, the dialogue. And, and look, even the AR stuff, like I appreciate the fact that Home Depot can change the paint color uh in a photo for me to let me visualize a but, room but isn't rockwell ar in uh mccs now aren't they like saying you can see inside of it with your goggles uh, you guys have that demo possibly maybe i i haven't seen that but it wouldn't shock me right because we've got so many pockets of people doing cool stuff um and i think look augmented reality is great and i think for work instructions like how would you safely remove a bucket um i'd love to be able to put some some hololens on or some uh you know, Google Glass or whatever you your flavor is, and be able to say, okay, first step, disconnect it. You know, turn power off. Second step, go ahead and loosen the screw. Right? Like, I I I love that idea, and part of me is really likes that because of the experience of you know doing home repair based on YouTube. Like, if I've got it on YouTube, that's great, but I have to constantly start and stop it. I have mm-hmm. to. You know, there, there's other stuff I now have to do. And, and now I've got a device that's either propped up on some duct tape in front of me or in my other hand. Um, so I, I like having Yeah, what are we, 10 goggles. years away from being able to go to YouTube and just show your model number and then you fix it with an AR video piped into your face? I, I, I hope so. I hope so. Because honestly, like, as we lose more and more mechanics, the options of not being able to do that are going to be like a thousand dollars are we really using are we really losing mechanics or are we having mechanics learn like i keep seeing these these mechanical contractors start they keep adding services right so they'll be they start off as a plumbing contractor and then five years later they're doing electrical and it's like okay you know you're and then you know okay so you can do everything okay you've got a team that can do everything and can't can't automation and augmented reality inform that team so they can do those trade, you know, cross pollinate those trades. Uh, I hope so. Right. I mean, it, it's, we're, we're getting there, but I think there's still, we're still facing a giant shortage. Right. I, I talked about this at pack expo as one of my innovation stage talks was around, you know, just 
we're going to have 5,000 unfilled jobs in manufacturing. No, 5 million unfilled jobs in manufacturing by like 2025. Hey, today's manufacturing day. Is it? It is. Happy manufacturing yeah. day. It is Friday, yeah. October 6th for those of you following along because this will not air until uh, Wednesday the 11th. 11th. It is absolutely manufacturing day. All right. Cool. What is that? Does that is that should we have gotten the day off since we're in manufacturing? That's I don't cute. Think so. I feel like I got <laughs> I ripped so. off here. Yes, it's uh, the I think it, I think it's one of those working holidays. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like your birthday. <laughs> yeah. Any day that ends in a Y. Yeah. I don't know. Top yeah. golf probably had me over there anytime I want, so I'll just I'll go now. Sounds like a great idea. It's not working if it's top golf. That's right. That's right. Um. Yeah. I, what did you see? Is what did you see in Vegas that was cool? Uh Pack Expo. So, uh, a lot of push towards the dialogue around sustainability. Um. Yeah, but they're still making stuff in China and shipping it over here. Well, so, not only that, I mean, but that's two sides of your mouth, dude. It, it is, and and this will be a topic for another day, I think, um, all on its own, but. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people talking about it and, uh, and not a lot of concrete answers to it, right? Like when I think about plastics, we think about, okay, we want to recycle plastic. That That's important. We no, don't eliminate it. Ocean. You can't realize they're not going to recycle it, dude. Bingo. It's that's too the biggest cheap. problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Correct. Too cheap, too to, cheap to do virgin plastic. Yep. And it takes a lot to separate the multiple layers of uh, a, a layered plastic. plastic that goes into food, yep. right? So. Yep. So, but but then on the flip side of it, people are like, oh, just use paper and coat it with wax. Well, you can't recycle that either. Like, there's some chance. So, there's no free lunch in the equation. But a lot of people flew the flag of sustainability. But I didn't feel like anyone had a silver bullet. Now, I will say the one thing I did like, and I saw this at Interpac, not at Pack Expo. Um, but KHS is getting rid of the cardboard that goes on your six pack and they just have little glue dots between the cans it's awesome glue dots yeah like a little adhesive so instead of having cardboard over the top of it or the six pack ring made out of plastic it's just glued together yeah i've seen those too charlie's holding up on video one of the little plastic pop top things that's uh solid not it's a hundred percent rhdpe is that a recyclable polymer it says it is. R H Delta Papa Echo. Yeah, is uh so high density polyethylene. Yeah. And the R stands for recycled. I don't I it so that is recycled? That's what it's why is it yeah. all white? Did they filter it all out? Did they clean it? Like give me the dirty plastic if it's on top of my can. I mean, sure, you're gonna melt it and get rid of germs, but like I mean, why has it got to be uniform white? I mean, why can't you just I'm remember sure those park benches that came out in it. the '90s that were all like made out of Tide bottles and everybody else's bottles? It looked like a hypercolor tie-dye jacket, you know. <laughs> remember those benches and those picnic tables? At least you knew it was recycled, right? They didn't have to write it on there. You didn't have to Google what RHPDD. It looked like somebody literally went to the back 40 and dug up a bunch of milk jugs and Tide bottles and melted it and said, "Yeah, good like, enough." Like, it's I a, was, it's a bench. Exactly. I was like, 
I was like, so they must have figured out a way to just re-dye it all or melt it and change the color. Yeah, I'm sure you can melt it down and probably filter it and then uh, just bleach it, right? Or uniform color and mix it up. And, yeah. 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 I would think yeah. white would so be the tough I, one, but, right? But, but where are we making sustainable PLCs, sustainable motor control? Like, which show me how, you know, you're using recycled electrical steel. No, so so that's a actually that's it just doesn't ring true. Yeah, so that's been a topic that's come up, and I know, like in in some of my challenge, right? So we've had customers say, "Hey, can you get us a report on what the the sustainability footprint is for a controller, a contact, or whatever? Pick your poison, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we're working on putting some of that documentation together." But then on the flip side of it, I go, "Well." Most of these assets are going to run between 10 and 40 years. The bigger challenge, and this is something that you're uh, looking at with one of your pet projects, and we've got some initiatives that we're taking a peek at it. But for me, the more interesting piece is the, the consumption or waste that goes along with the operation, not necessarily the raw material that went into the machine. Yeah, it's scope three emissions, basically. Yeah, like, is yep. your, do you have an air leak on your machine? Because if you have an air Correct. leak, it doesn't matter what that contactor was made out of. You will waste yeah. more carbon in that mm-hmm. air leak than anything else we can think about. Correct. Um, so I that that's something that we're uh, we're, we're tackling a little bit um, on my team, just looking at some of the things we can monitor. I know you've got that thing cooking around. Um, yeah. So yeah. But but I would say that was the big the big banner. But nobody nobody showed me your solution. Um, we brought ours and we showed a little bit of it. Uh, got a yeah. lot of excitement, but again, like we're we're a ways away from a bunch of stuff sitting on factory floors that are actively, you know, mitigating some of these uh, things. So, I don't yeah, know. and I mean, yeah, it's and then a volcano goes off and everything doesn't matter anymore. Correct. Yeah. You know, and so it's just, I mean, we got to make better decisions. And the only way to make better decisions is by having better information. Right. And I'm glad that there are multiple people working on it. I'm happy to be a part of that team of people uh, in this species working on it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very complicated problem and it's not something that should be taken lightly. Um, cause you can't just, it's not easy to do and it takes a lot of effort and you have to have the confidence that, you know, are you, you know, the, the reason why they have scope one and scope two and scope three emissions is because there's, there's more to just than you know, the last mile, which everybody's most familiar with. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about today, right? You make a Thule bike rack, and then the last mile is, oh, there's a brick and mortar, there's a rack attack, and yeah. you know, there's a friendly smile that helps you figure it out. And uh, and then you still drove to get there, so what are we talking about? Right. You know, or did you ride your bike to the rack attack? Probably not. You probably drove your truck. Well, and that's yeah. the other funny piece, and, you know, again, we can we can go on for days around this, but, like, if we were really serious about getting after it, like, wouldn't more people be just be riding scooters and bicycles? Um, or, yeah, or wouldn't we just, you know, take all the knowledge that we have and put in nuclear 
power plants on submarines under the ocean. And we've done that successfully for years and just deploy that in every of the, you know, what top hundred neighbor, top hundred cities. Yeah. Or the, the foothills nation. and the mountains where they're a long way from seismic activity or water. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, well, let's go. Um, you know, and then you still got the thermal nuclear reaction that's happening for at least eight hours a day in most areas of the country that you can yeah. soak up. So, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really funny thing, you know, and it, I, I find it fascinating, you know, electrons move slower in Europe than they do here, <laughs> 10 Hertz slower. And therefore, you know, they have, they have different characteristics and specifications and in go figure carbon is also viewed differently um for the most part in Europe versus you know being so October um saw the first phase of the cross border regulations of Europe mm. if you make anything out of the major commodities aluminum steel concrete grain etc you have to report how much carbon it took you to make that sure. on an annual basis as of 5 days ago okay and and so it's like, okay, is that regulation going to spur innovation? Well, that's that's the trick, right? I mean, there's laws and there's regulation. Regulation is where the law hits the road. Sure. And sure. so, it's really, it's really, uh, you know, we're we're living in an exciting time. We're also living in a time of great change, and um, it should be. I mean, eight billion people, you're, you're going to have some ideas happen. Yeah. Well, on that note, we, uh, we're going to cut today's short. I have other things to do here in about four minutes. Uh, any closing thoughts from you first, Serha? When in doubt, pick up the phone and call and ask. Talk yeah, to humans. Yeah, it human. makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Yes, talk yeah. to humans. Yeah. Charlie, yeah. you? Uh, support humans. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. a fan of that. I'll go. go with that. Yeah. I like brick and mortar. On that I'm note. I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank on you that all. note, yep. Thank you guys and we'll uh we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Cheers. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one.